10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from London, this is The Twilight Show with Leanne Latz. Hey everybody, welcome to The Twilight Show with me, Leanne. Um, this evening I have Ben on, who is a teacher, who's actually changing lanes and taking up a career in counselling, so that's be really interesting. But on first I have Jack Tavosi Marsh, and he's a deputy head. He also organises Research Ed, which is something I spoke at for the very first time about a week ago, so really mixture, really good mixture of guests, guys. Live from London, this is The Twilight Show with Leanne Latz on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hi guys, welcome to the show tonight. I hope you're doing well. Um, I assume we have a mixture of teachers who are on half term, maybe teachers coming to the end of their half term, maybe some teachers who are possibly just starting their half term. I myself, I'm not on half term. We had our half term a very long time ago in the school that I work at, so I am pulling myself through the week, uh, focused on the Christmas holidays, which I know are very far away. Sorry for mentioning Christmas when it's still October. But yeah, so welcome into the studio. Let me know what you do, where do you teach? Do you teach the little ones like myself? Are you in primary or are you in high school? Are you, are you higher education or do you do something completely different in education? I'd love to hear what you do. So if you leave a message in the chat, that would be amazing. So I have two guests coming on tonight. My first guest is Jack and I think I can see him ready in the studio. So thank you, Jack. We love a guest that's in early. Um, and I came across Jack on Twitter, actually, and I'm quite new to Twitter. So if you've seen me on Twitter, that is amazing. If you haven't, please go and have a look for me. Um, my, I don't know what it's called in Twitter. Maybe someone can help me out. My name on Twitter is R to six and the rest. And it probably doesn't make sense to you if you don't know me, but I have done many, many year group jumps over my eight years in the teaching profession. And so I thought that was a bit appropriate. Um, I have done year one, and then moved up to year six, and then moved back to year one for two years, and back to year six. Um, and then I have just moved from year six in my old school to reception in my new school. So uh, apparently I like a good year group jump. Um, very interesting. You learn a lot when you move up and down the year groups. Um, I would definitely recommend it. It is great experience, and I think it's the I think it's like the only profession where one year you can be doing one type of class or one type of job, and the next year something completely different. Like I don't think that happens in business and industry, you know? You don't go down to Canary Wharf and someone's in marketing and then the next year they're in the accounts department. I don't think. Um, I've been a teacher for many, for eight years now, and before that I uh, was in a different job, but I think we're possibly the only profession where you literally can be doing one type of job one year and then the next year something completely different. So. I have moved around the year groups quite a bit and also moved around subject coordinator roles. So back to my guests tonight and where did I come across Jack? So like I said, I'm quite new to Twitter, bit of a newbie. So uh, if you see me out there, please give me some uh, retweets. That'd be lovely. Hopefully you can answer some of my questions. Um, and basically last year I was in year six um, for the second time. Lovely kids, really loved it. Amazing. Um, but found that I needed a bit of a creative outlet. 
I'm quite a creative teacher, so needed a bit of a creative outlet last year. Wasn't getting it so much with the year six curriculum. Um, so I thought, let me look outside of my classroom, but still in teaching. So I started doing a variety of different things. Um, I became a governor at a school, so that was quite interesting just to see how things work in another school. It's always nice to do a bit of CPD um, outside of your own school. I love to get ideas from other teachers, so if you have any great ideas, put them in the chat today while we're talking. Um, then I came across Teachers Talk Radio, and that was the other thing that I did that was a bit of an outlet for me. It's nice to talk to other teachers and get their opinions on things and make sure you, the things that you are doing are correct and that we are not alone. And then I came across Jack on Twitter. And Jack, uh, whilst he is a deputy head and does many, many things under that role, we'll talk about those later, Jack also organises something called Research Ed which I'm sure he will talk to us a little bit about when we get him into the studio. So um, I was scrolling on Twitter, having a look at uh, what was going on in the education world and came across Jack, who said, I'm doing research ed next weekend. I think it was like two weekends time and had a couple of speakers drop out, I'm sure due to COVID. Uh, it's going around all the schools at the moment, isn't it? And uh, would anyone like to speak? And I said, oh, like, not that I'm the authority on anything at all in education, but... I do think, like I said, I have done my fair share of massive year group jumps and I definitely think I have learned a lot from those year group jumps and I think I, not just learnt, but I think I've seen things that possibly teachers that don't move around so much don't get to see. So I thought, not that it's research-based, but it's experience-based. Um, hopefully somebody will want to listen to me. So I said to Jack, yeah, I'd love to come and talk. Um, I can talk about what I learned from my big year group moves and what I've seen and um, yeah so that is how I came across Jack on Twitter and I'm sure he'll talk a little bit more about it. My other guest Ben, um, Ben is an old colleague and we work together as teachers but Ben is actually like I said in the intro changing lanes a little bit and moving into a counselling career so I'm sure he'll talk to us a little bit more about that but I know for sure over my eight years of teaching I have definitely looked into other careers and actually I think like how lucky would other industries be to have a few teachers in the mix like if we think about our skill sets that we have as teachers I mean boggles the mind the things that we do in our classrooms possibly even without thinking so I mean Gosh, we're adaptable, we're creative, we think outside the box. I don't know, guys, put in the chat, what are your skills that we think they could do with a bit of in the city and down in Canary Wharf? Maybe it would be nice to have a swanky office and a nice cafeteria to go and eat your lunch in. Nice views outside of your office. Maybe that would be nice, I don't know. I think I'd get a little bit bored of seeing at a desk, but I definitely think there are amazing skills that we have as teachers that are definitely transferable. So, um, yeah, can't wait to talk to Ben. That should be really interesting. Uh, I know for myself, a couple of years ago when I thought, oh, God, like teaching, just it's too difficult for me at the moment. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like I need to do something a bit different. Um, and I looked into going into museums. Organisational skills. Yeah, Charlie, absolutely. I mean, we could organise anything. If you can organise 30 children in a classroom, I think you could organise anything. I think the, yeah, organisational skills. They need a couple of teachers in government, don't they? But uh, I am not a government uh, advisor yet. Maybe we have some in the room that would like to be, but I think they could do with a couple of teachers down there. But um, yeah, organisational skills for sure. So um, yeah, I looked into going into museum work, kind of thought I need, I need an out. 
um, a bit burnt out. I think that happens to a lot of us. We look for outs sometimes, but didn't work out. Didn't find the job that I was looking for. So moved on, went to different schools. And I think sometimes you just need a specific school. And I think um, specific schools work for specific teachers. And I think specific senior leadership teams work for specific teachers. So yeah, hopefully you've all found your specific leadership team that works really well for you and you are enjoying the school that you are working at. So I thought before we go into our guests, I would just warm your hearts a little bit with a little teacher story that I found on the internet. So it's from lockdown and I'm sure we've all done something similar in lockdown. I mean, the way we taught children, guys, I'm sure you were all absolutely incredible during lockdown. Um, I'm sure you've all got some lockdown stories. I know I taught a maths lesson over the phone to a year six child, I have no idea what I was thinking, but kids needed us and uh, we really had to think outside the box during lockdown. So uh, apparently there is a teacher in India and I love this, this is like, so I would love to have done this, I really would have. He painted chalkboards outside the kids' homes so that he could teach them during lockdowns, I guess outside, we know it's like a bit safer with Covid to be outside. so. It was so lovely. He's like got these little square chalkboards that he's kind of, I guess, painted on outside of their houses. So I thought that was really lovely and just nice to share a bit of a heartwarming moment. We work in a stressful job. So, um, yeah, I thought I also would talk about um, my friend who is in the studio. We were talking about like lesson observations and words that get used to describe lesson observations and we were talking dynamic and like how do you engage children and just like I think a lot of adjectives get thrown around when trying to describe how a lesson observation should look and whilst adjectives are lovely descriptive words I don't know that they help us to action things in the classroom. I remember I got told once very early on that some of the children didn't look engaged. I said okay like how would you suggest I engage them and I'm not sure I got the best advice. So what words have you guys heard to describe lesson observations? Were they helpful? I, I don't I don't think adjectives can be that helpful when you are doing a lesson observation and I like to think of it of and I said this before and it only came to me when I was thinking of my presentation for research Ed Surrey so let me know what you think about my analogy. Like I said I am not the authority on teaching but this is my analogy of a good lesson, not, not even an observation, like of a good lesson actually. And I think you can't be outstanding. It's very difficult to be outstanding, I think, all the time. But if you can do what I'm thinking is a good lesson. So I think it's great to have kids that are engaged. We want that all the time. You want them like staring at you with their beady eyes and especially in, in reception. I remember a couple of weeks ago, and we started teaching phonics and I said to them, and I made a massive deal of it, I said, um, we're going to start learning phonics and you'll be able to read soon and you can pick up a book in the book corner and you'll be able to read it. And I remember this one kid had the biggest grin on her face and I wish that I had taken a picture of it. And that to me is inspired. Um, because that kind of feeling will stay with that child, I think, for a long, long time. And I think it's great to be engaged in the moment, but I think inspired is when the child takes that feeling of being engaged and kind of carries it with them after the lesson. So that is my, that's my analogy of a good lesson, guys. Make of it what you will. Um, yeah, so it's really great to have you all in the studio today. I am going to go to a little ad break. 
you're going to hear my voice a lot. So it'd be nice for you to hear some other voices. And then we will be back in the studio with Jack. So I will see you on the other side. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Gosh, sorry guys, I was talking to myself. It's been a long week. Um, <laughs> so I just saw that we've tweeted out about my comment that if you can organise 30 children in a classroom, you can organise anything. And I was thinking of my friend who teaches in Scotland in reception and she has 40 children in her classroom. So she can do literally anything. If she can teach 44 year olds, wow. How many kids do you have in your classroom? I have 25 at the moment, so I shouldn't really complain, but yeah. And I just like listening to the adverts and there's just so much out there for teachers sometimes. And I just think that's why I just love Teachers Talk Radio. I'm sorry to like plug it, guys, but it's just so nice to talk to like-minded teachers and educators and people that work in education. So thanks for coming into the show. It's been really, it's really lovely having you here. So I'm just going to unmute Jack. Jack, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, amazing. Yeah, loud and clear. Oh, you've got good tech. <laughs> It helps with all of the digital learning, I guess, that we did, doesn't it? Um, uh, yes. Upgraded somewhat. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. You can you can come back with the tech, very clear. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just kind of gave a look, a little intro about you, but just looking at the bio you sent me, it seems like you do some really amazing stuff. Maybe if you could like give us your own bio a little bit about what you've kind of done over your time in education. Okay. Um, so yeah, I joined uh, education in two thousand and eight. Uh, went through the PGCE route down at uh, the University of Portsmouth, uh, originally and still do teach geography. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely, you know, just loved it straight from the start, really. Um, I, I spent sort of six to nine months 
before teaching, working up in the city, working in the Lloyds of London and insurance market, mm-hmm. um, having having done a ski season before that. And I think probably having done the ski season, going straight into commuting and, and, and city work probably wasn't the best thing to do. Um, and yeah. I decided that having having been a ski host and done a bit of instruction, that, that teaching was really what I was interested in. So, uh, as I said, went down to Portsmouth, um, went through their, their PGCE program and then joined Farnham Heath End School in June 2009 um, to, to obviously start the NQT year the, in the September and I'm still there so um, yes. you know, I, I, I've been a teacher of a teacher of geography then a key stage free lead in geography I've been a head of geography um, and, and then obviously assistant head teacher for a, a large number of years and um, and then have been deputy head for the last three um, wow. so yeah that's pretty much sort of my sort of role or sort of journey within education. I guess the the interesting thing is, I, I believe personally, I've got the best role in education. To be honest with you, I, I lead on staff development and teaching and learning. And I think, you know, those two things. If you can't be passionate about those two things in in school leadership, then then what can you be passionate about really? So, um, yeah, that that's pretty much my role. Where a lot of the work that we do is around. Um, Instructional coaching at the moment is something that we've launched about two years ago. So we do a lot of work on instructional coaching um, and, and a lot of work around sort of uh, making sure that those that are new to the profession, those that in their sort of first five years really flourish. That's probably something that that, that, uh, that I'm very, very keen on indeed. Um, so, yeah, that, that's pretty much uh, pretty much it for Farnham Heath End School. And then obviously in two, 2019, I was lucky enough to... Um, become an evidence lead in education with Durrington Research School, um, you know, with Sean Allison and the team down down at Durrington. So Andy Tharby and Chris Renyeckles and Fran Haynes and uh, the, the great team that they've got down there on the South Coast. So that kind of really got me involved with, uh, with the more sort of research-based uh, approach to certainly school leadership and, and obviously classroom practice. Wow, it's really a lot. And I think, so like you, much like you, I did a PGCE and had a career before that. Um, do you think that you took skills with you from your previous careers into teaching? Do you think you would have been the same teacher if you'd have possibly not had the previous career? That's a really difficult question to answer, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, w- I would probably, I would like to think that a lot of the skills that I took you know that that I learned prior to coming into teaching, I've used. But then mm-hmm. again, I certainly would say that that I've changed possibly the way that I certainly um, teach day to day since mm-hmm. I started. Um, I, I certainly feel that therefore my skill set has probably improved as I've got more experience with, uh, with with teaching, but also with the fact that you know you're, you're dealing with individuals all of the time and and i think that that's that's so critical i think sometimes as as teachers we we think about the fact that you know of what we're teaching but you know we we forget that we're teaching different individuals every single year um and, mm-hmm. and that's the challenge of the of the job which i think is yeah i think personally you talked earlier about you know not being able to do a desk job you know having done a desk job you know what mm-hmm. i love about teaching is that you know, yes, you you might go through the same calendar year, but each year is so different because of the individuals yeah. that you've got, not only in, in your classes, but in your teams, your colleagues, you know, that changes the things that you're doing in school change. So, you know, that's just fantastic, isn't it? That's the best. Yeah, there's just such variety in every day. I mean, like you say, year by year, but like even daily, you just come <laughs> across one kid one day and the next day the kid's like a different child. <laughs> so, uh 
Yeah, I, I think like what stood out for me amongst what you do is that you, I love that you lead on staff development and like I've been teaching for eight years and whenever I hear there's an inset, the first thing I think of is oh, like what's going what, what to what's gonna inspire me about this inset? Like what, what inspiring person might be coming in for the inset? Um, I don't know how you feel about people coming in or how you lead on staff development in that respect. Like is it just insets or is there more to it than that? I would imagine there is. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a hugely important role to be honest with you. I think that that sometimes schools get bogged down in, and perhaps don't always put staff development as the as the first thing on the mm-hmm. menu, as it were. Um, <laughs> read a fantastic book by Johnny Utley and John Tomset called "Putting Staff First, which is kind mm. of their blueprint for staff development at the at the schools that they lead in and the, and the, the academy trusts that they that they lead with and. And I feel that, you know, it's almost this idea of reprofessionalizing the profession, as it were. And, and mm-hmm. I think that perhaps we didn't, you know, we didn't see ourselves, uh, you know, even 10 years ago uh, as really thinking deeply um, about what we're trying to achieve. And I think there were perhaps too many teachers that were were just doing things because they were told that's what they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I certainly remember going into teaching and and remember thinking, okay, well, you know, that's what I've been told to do. That that's what I remember reading about on my training year. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. And it probably was only, a, you know, I want to say maybe 2014, 2015. So we're not looking at that that longer time ago, really. Where I started to think, you know, is there a perhaps a slightly more effective way of doing certain things and and, and do certain things, perhaps have more of an impact on certain individuals and certain groups of individuals within within the classroom. Um, and therefore, you know, I think with staff development, it's very much working on a one-to-one level. And I think insets are, are absolutely great. But, you know, I often find, you know, if, if you're like me, you come home from an inset with an incredibly large headache needing a lot of a lot of wine um <laughs> yeah. because we're not particularly good as teachers as uh, we're actually presenting in a way that we would actually do to students yeah, um and therefore you. you know we present in a way that perhaps overloads so many of our colleagues and we forget that mm-hmm. every individual is going to have a very different starting point in terms of obviously you know base skills based knowledge experience um, I know that Josh Goodrich talks about it in the term of um, he talks about stasis, which is, I think, a great phrase. But you, you know, you talk about each teacher has their own stasis, which is basically the way that they think about everything mm-hmm. that they do within their classroom, and it's molded mm-hmm. upon everything that they've gone through to get to the point that they're at. And it could be down to who's mentored them when they were a, an early years teacher. Mm-hmm. It could be down to you know which which route they came into the profession. Um, and therefore, I really feel that true staff development, it, it should be done in a bespoke way, uh, looking at the, the needs of the individual and, and what the individual also wants, some autonomy within that as well. And uh, so I think inset has its place. I think sometimes you need whole scarf inset to deliver key messages that, that are required mm-hmm. uh, where the school you know is looking to go. But um, as much as we possibly can, um, certainly at our school, we've moved to a, an approach whereby, you know, the only inset we have is at the start of the year that's that's whole staff inset every other inset opportunity is uh, very much either in department teams or, or on an individual basis yeah i'm so glad you said that because i've thought that many times when i've sat for three hours in an inset and thought gosh like when's the next coffee break but at least like 
we think about the children as like one one individual and we focus our teaching on the individual child sometimes and then we go to insets and we don't do it for like the teachers in the room you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the it's a phrase which I use a lot and, and, I, and I don't sometimes people get offended by it but I also think we need mm-hmm. to remember that you know your staff team is as much as a mixability group as, as your individuals mm-hmm. that you're going to have in your classroom and, and therefore Absolutely. if you try to if you try to pitch your inset and you try to do these whole staff sessions in in halls you're probably going to come a cropper at some point in in the way that you know somebody's probably not going to be listening or giving their foot full attention because there might be a bit of a I've, I've seen this done this you know it's something that I've experienced before. You might get somebody taking loads of notes. Uh, and, mm. and to be brutally honest, you know, teachers, we're our own worst enemies. You know, we go into an inset in the hall and, and we're terrible students. You know, we'll chat to each other. <laughs> and uh, and, and yes. to be honest with you, that's probably when I led whole school inset and we're talking maybe 20, sort of 15, 2016, when mm-hmm. we, we still did a model that was a little bit like that. That's the thing that I found mm-hmm. the most frustrating, if, I, if I'm honest. It's, it's how mm-hmm. teachers uh, can, can be sometimes the, 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 the most poorly behaved in inset sessions. And I think realistically, mm-hmm. on reflection, it was because it wasn't really meeting their individual needs of what they were looking for. And I think that was probably a really mm-hmm. good starting point to go away and go, we need mm-hmm. to do this and we need to do it better. Yeah, and I think like if you were to sit in front of a class, you'd have kids that were sitting chatting. You would think to yourself, okay, why are they chatting? I must possibly I'm not engaging them, or they're not understanding the topic. So, I think a lot of the time with teaching, we don't get time to kind of sit and just like share ideas and share the way we're doing things. And then we get to our inset day, you know, twelve six weeks into the term, and it's like oh, I can actually talk to another teacher, and I don't have to run back to teach my lesson. Yeah, I mean, and, and also you think about, especially the one at the start of the summer, it, it's just a great chance to see <laughs> yes. colleagues, you know, yeah. you just want to catch up and, and, and you know, I, I, I have two young children and I, you know, as much as I absolutely love spending summer with them and every day, and it, it's fantastic. Yes. I look forward yeah. to insects because I get to speak to adults again. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and kind of absolutely. The, the, the problem with that is, is that sometimes we're, we're probably not the best students or, or we don't listen mm-hmm. as intently as perhaps we sh- we should be, um, you yeah. know, and that and that kind of I guess leads us leads us on to kind of why we got involved with with the research ed mm. movement mm-hmm. really. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went the first research ed event I went to was back in twenty, I want to say twenty sixteen. Um, I may be mm-hmm. wrong; it may be twenty seventeen, but it was definitely one of those two okay. down at du- down at Durrington, uh, run okay. by Sean and, and the team down there. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, it opened my eyes to how much CPD I could get Mm. for myself, that I kind of had a choice of where I wanted to go within that day. So for anyone that hasn't been to a research ed event, normally you have, you know, roughly, let's say six sessions on during the day, uh, maybe a keynote at the start as well, although although those tend to have, have dropped away a little bit with the you know, COVID regulations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then each session maybe has somewhere between six to 12 speakers, perhaps. Um, and therefore, you know, you, you have a real, you know, choice as to who you want to go and see. Um, and some of the sessions will be really, really niche. Um, some of the sessions mm-hmm. perhaps will be by really well-known 
um, educational thinkers, speakers, researchers, but it gives you that choice. So back in 2017, you know, when I first went to you know that that first Durrington um, day, I was able to go to eight sessions, I think it was, um, and mm-hmm. I came away thinking, blimey, I've learned so much today. And, and and having 20 minutes in between each one to sort of chew the cud with people that were there mm-hmm. just meant that um, you know I thought, God, it, this is this is really interesting. This is, this has started to make me reflect on certain things that I do within the classroom. Um, and it was such a great networking event in terms of, you know, starting to, to meet like-minded people. Um, and, and, and I guess that's kind of what, what made us decide at, at Surrey to put one on in 2019, mm-hmm. which was the first event we were virtual in 2020. And then obviously, um, you know, 10 days or so ago, we had the 2021 event. So um, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. No, it's amazing that you can go and I think we go to, I know I've been to CPD sometime and I sit there with my pen and my paper ready to write things down. I think like you said, it's so lovely to come away from a CPD event or like an education talk where it gets you thinking about what you do in your classroom and thinking about how to improve for the children and I think research ed definitely does that I, I completely um, agree I completely agree I mean there, I'm not going to lie there are some sessions that I've been to that have gone way over my head and I'm like yeah. God, the, the, what they're talking about here that sort of level of research I, I'm just you know yes. I'm really interested but I'm not yeah. sure you know how I how can I how, how, how can I apply that perhaps within my own teaching and within my within my own school but what that does do is mm-hmm. give you sort of a, a an initial point to to go away and start thinking and doing perhaps some more reading and and, and chatting to mm-hmm. people uh, and there are some mm-hmm. sessions where you you're in there and you're thinking oh, this this person teaches let's say i don't know 26 periods a week and they've given mm-hmm. me four or five absolute nuggets to go away and think yeah. that that i can yeah. see may well work for my context and I think that's the biggest thing with research ed it's so context mm-hmm. uh, contextualized some things work mm-hmm. for some people and um you know not everything works um everywhere but something you know one thing will work you know in, in one location and I think that's really important that when you're in one of these conferences that you go with with quite an open mind um and you might might go to six or seven sessions and actually five of them might have been absolutely fantastic you might have walked out mm-hmm. of two thinking I'm not sure what I got from that session but actually the more you go away yeah. and think about it is the reason mm-hmm. that you didn't get as much from it because it actually perhaps made you think more deeply and actually challenge something that perhaps you weren't fully aware of and and yeah that's that's kind of why why we've got so involved and as a staff team at the school we've We've sent probably close to, to 35, 40 staff have now been to a research ed, whether that's the national conference that's done in early September, wow. whether that's the Kent conference, obviously our own conference mm-hmm. that we put on. There's a one in, uh, in Berkshire early, I think it's May next year. Uh, and obviously the Durrington one used to be in April. I'm not sure whether that's going ahead next year. Um, but there's, there's just so many opportunities to to go to these events. And what I've noticed just from being involved for the last three or four years is just how polite and, 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 and so welcoming, you know, a lot of the speakers are. They're, they're so free with their time. You know, they will stop at the end of their sessions. They will, uh, you know, answer mm-hmm. as many questions. Um, and you can ask challenging questions. You know, you can ask things that, you know, perhaps come, come from things from a completely different viewpoint. And, and that's kind of what Research Ed is all about. It's, um, it's about what finding out what, 
perhaps you know what perhaps works best and what our best bets are and how can we be you know a bit more effective with our teaching and and, and leadership of schools and you know even at the Surrey event this this time we had such a diverse range of speakers uh, we were you know mm-hmm. we had we had speakers from women uh, you know the send community we had woman ed were represented at, at, at Surrey which was just fantastic to have Palm and, and Vivian join us we have Patrice Bain over from the United States of America looking at powerful teaching and we, we had the likes of uh, you know Tom Sherrington and, and, and Becky Allen and Mark Enser you know some really sort of what I guess what you would call well-known um, education uh, people via mm-hmm. Twitter but I think the important thing that we decided to do is that we we want new voices each time. So every every research ed Surrey that we, we do, we look to have sort of at least thirty five to fifty percent new speakers because sometimes what you find is that that you'll get the program and people are drawn to names perhaps rather than what the actual speech you know that the presentation is on. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's really important what we find to to look at look at getting some new voices in, and that that's been fantastic. The feedback that we had this year from the new speakers was just phenomenal. So you know, so some of the well known speakers were, were absolutely brilliant and, and packed out. And and I think the good thing is is because of COVID, um, we, we've had to put room uh, capacities on, which at previous mm-hmm. research eds you just didn't have. So you'd have people literally sort of you know lying on the floor and sitting under desks to. <laughs> To get into rooms. Yes. I mean, it, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, some some of the some yeah. of the rooms that I've been in, in the past, but because of the COVID regulations, uh, the, certainly the Research mm-hmm. Ed National Conference and, and obviously Surrey that we've just had, we put room uh, room mm-hmm. um, capacities on, which actually spreads the, um, the the delegates around all of the speakers. So you actually get a far greater sort of movement of uh, of people around, and, and and therefore what we found is that people were going to sessions that perhaps they may not have gone to. Uh, and some of the feedback mm-hmm. that's come through from that has, has been has been really strong indeed. Yeah, I think it's, it's nice because it seems like it's um, teachers talking to teachers. I don't know if that's how you see it, but um, the few that I went to, I definitely felt like it was, I was talking to teachers and not just people that maybe just do the research in the classroom. I don't know if that's a controversial way to put it, but it's nice to speak to teachers and listen to teachers that are doing the research but also putting their like I remember I went to Lekha Sharma's talk and she was really honest about how she um, created this new curriculum or I think these new curriculum maps and she said to her head I want to go into the classroom and teach it so Mm -hmm. I'm doing the research and I'm also putting it into practice and seeing how it works Um, do you think that's part of it as well is that it's teachers listening to teachers Absolutely. And I think the greatest thing about yeah. sort of, you know, research ed conferences is that anyone is, is just another person at a research ed conference. You know, you've got, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had Matt CEOs, we had, you know, some, some, some really sort of quite high end, you know, you know, people within within Ofsted, we had, you know, general mm-hmm. teachers, we had heads of department, mm-hmm. we had, you know, lots of members of LT, we had trainees that are in their very, very first year. And we actually had you know, lots of TAs, which is absolutely great as well, you know, and, and the great thing is, is no one knows anyone else, um, really, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, what, what you do. So the chances is, 
chances are you sit down in a room, you have a conversation with somebody, they're yes. likely to be reasonably like-minded as you are, because at the end yes. of the day, they are at a Saturday conference. Um, yes, absolutely. So they, they are probably going to be <laughs> somebody who's really interested in in yeah. in, in thinking about the, the research movement. And, and I think that there is certainly an argument to try and perhaps, you know, um, move away if we possibly could from Saturdays because of all, you know all the difficulties that that can cause other people. Mm. Um, but you know mm-hmm. that's the greatest thing I think it's just anyone together talking about you know teaching, networking, finding out perhaps what what's going on in other schools outside our bubble. You know we get so trapped mm. within the bubble of our own school mm-hmm. and certainly within our own classrooms yeah. that where else do you get the chance to go through a day where you could talk to maybe 30, 40, 50 people that you don't know at all. Um, uh, you don't know their context, you don't know their schools, but actually there'll be something there that you take from the day that uh, is certainly something that you can take back and reflect upon. And I think sometimes in the earlier years when I was going to these events, it was almost like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to try that for a Monday. Uh, whereas now mm-hmm. I very much go to them and think that's really interesting. Where might that sit within our one year, three year, five year journey? How much work do I need to go away and now do to really understand that before trying to think about whether it's going to work within our context? And I think that's the important thing. It's to go to these events and and really think about what's being said, but also not rush the the potential implementation of that within your own classroom, because there might be much more wide uh, thinking uh, and visits perhaps to other schools that are needed prior. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you said about um, being stuck in our school bubbles. And no COVID pun intended, but um, we've got Tim in the chat. I think he's one of our hosts as well. And he said that he was at Research Ed um, and it was great to have the opportunity to listen and speak to such a diversity of colleagues outside of your normal working bubble. And I know you, you were saying about how maybe it's not great to have it on a Saturday. You know, teachers were all crazy hectic during the week. But like, whilst I know it's CPD, I also find it found it really enjoyable to talk to other teachers and just to share ideas and to kind of have what you do validated almost. I think that's a do you think that's an important part of it, even though well, it is on a Saturday. That yeah, I do. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we're we're providing uh, CPD. Of I think that incredibly affordable price um we're mm-hmm. finding that more and more schools are purchasing tickets rather than individuals um so, which is absolutely well, that's fantastic that's which means that schools amazing. are actually yeah. you know really prioritizing this rather than individuals having to perhaps purchase tickets out of their own pocket we are obviously still seeing mm-hmm. individuals purchase um mm-hmm. and maybe that's because they they feel as though um you know they just want to go to to the, to the event but you know the first event we put mm-hmm. on was 20, 25 pounds a ticket this one was i think it was just mm-hmm. short of 33 pounds a ticket and, mm-hmm. and for that you get six presentations um and and, and, and yeah. a full hot lunch we do a full hot lunch at surry yeah something we yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> i'm an absolute foodie yeah. so for me you know if you, uh, can't yeah, go to, me you can't too. go to a conference or a wedding or you know you think about hotels no. about their food don't you so for me the yeah. food had to be good so um you know, no, that, it was, that, 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 it was that, amazing. I can vouch. That's the thing. I, I just think it's it's about <laughs> yeah. getting together. Um, you know, low cost, yeah. affordable. I mean, the the movement is no profit. We, we you know we made no profit from from the event, and I think that's really mm. important to mention. That you know, every speaker that comes to certainly the Surrey event, and I'm 
you know, I, I think I can speak more widely for the researcher movement, you know, that they, mm-hmm. they don't charge, you know, sometimes occasionally mm-hmm. travel costs may be, may be covered. But right. th- th- apart from that, nobody charges to speak at the event. That's something Amazing. that Tom and Helena yeah. are, are, are very, very, you know, very, very key to, to, to putting on a, an event. You have to adhere to certain things. They're non-profit, they're low, low cost, they're mm-hmm. affordable. There's a range of diverse speakers um, across the phases. You know, we, we, the only thing that I would say at Surrey that we're missing and we're really looking for next year is to have more early years um, speakers. We, that's, <clears> that's one area that we're really focusing in on for next year. So mm-hmm. you know, if you're out there in your early years based and you're thinking, actually, do you know what, I really want to get involved with with that. When um, when we start to look for speakers next year, you can always go through the the Research Ed main website. Uh, you can put in a, a proposal to speak um, and that gets sent out to any of the, the, the more local Research Ed. So for example, I think I saw Research Ed Berkshire doing just that actually via Twitter last week saying, you know, if you fancy speaking, please, please complete... Um, uh, speaker application form via the research ed website so i mean it just shows you that you know this you know, i think sometimes you get the criticism that sometimes research ed is a is a closed shop and i, I, I just don't I, if i'm honest i don't agree with that i think that, that you look at the new names that are speaking all of the time um and you look mm. at the different phases that are constantly being um being involved i think you know the important thing is is that you know, if you are speaking at one of these events, that, that there is that there is something that, uh, that that you are speaking about that has a, a founding of some form of evidence base. I think that's really important. Mm. Now, I also think that sometimes we think about these kind of events, and I think, is it high school? Is it primary? What kind of year is it from? But because it was, they were quite gen- more like topics that you could implement into any kind of classroom, into into any kind of year group. So what would you say is the best kind of description of good research-informed teaching? Oh, blimey. Um, I, I, think... <laughs> I guess when you're looking for speakers, what do you kind of think about? So when we're looking for speakers, we're, we're looking for um, there's somebody who uh, has perhaps done a fair amount of sort of blogging about the ideas that they're thinking about, uh, blogging about perhaps some of the, the research, the educational research that they've been using and how they've then applied that within their, their own classroom. Sometimes we'll look for, for actual researchers to, to, to present. So, you know, for example, we had um, Prof- Professor Becky Allen has, has presented at both the 2019 mm-hmm. and, and 2021 events. And we have Mike Hobbis this year, um, who, who's done some great work. In fact, the session that I ran was was largely based around Mike Hobbis's PhD research on on why students are inattentive within lessons. So, you know, um, you know, mm-hmm. we, we look for diversity. We look for people that um, you know, have taught in, in completely different areas. So that that kind of if you're coming to an event like Research Ed, your area of um, sort yes. of context yeah. is, is covered so we're looking for for all sorts of uh, of teachers and, and and researchers really um and, and everyone that that puts through a sort of a speaker application you know gets looked at uh, and and sometimes you know there'll be people that we think actually we've got quite a lot on that for this this year uh, and we have to go back and say mm-hmm. actually you know for example a really good a good example of that is around curriculum lots there were lots of sessions around curriculum we, we probably had another five or six people that wanted to speak on curriculum, but we just felt that there mm-hmm. was there was already enough on curriculum. Um, and uh, annoyingly, a, a couple of the 
um, speakers that weren't able to be with us were more primary focused. So we we felt that there was a little bit of a a, a loss there. But um, on on the whole, we we like to make sure that there is, there there is a strong coverage um, of all settings. I would say probably. Um, early years and, and further education are the two areas that perhaps sometimes don't get covered in as much strength as, as other areas, but uh, always looking to um, improve that in the future. Yeah, definitely. Would you say there's a difference possibly? I'm, I don't know, like say the ratio of speakers that are still in-class teachers and possibly ones that aren't. Do you think you see a difference between researchers who are still classroom-based and ones that are possibly not? Do you think there's a difference um, there? The interesting one, so I would say the vast majority of our speakers are, are still classroom-based. Um, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. kind of our, our theme at Surrey, and sometimes the different research eds around the countries will have slightly different themes, but our theme at Surrey is is finding out what works best within our classrooms. So we, we wanted to make sure that the vast majority of our speakers are still teaching. And therefore, they're talking mm-hmm. about how perhaps they, they've unpicked the research and therefore they're looking at how they've then applied mm-hmm. that within their classroom. However, we, you know, we, we have, you know, for example, if, if I go back to Becky Allen, some of the questions that she poses within her sessions just make you, mm-hmm. you know, just go into a place mentally where perhaps... I wasn't prepared to go at the start of the day. Um, you know, they they're just mm-hmm. they just bombard you with sort of thinking, blimey, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. That's really interesting. So I think, you know, you get a mix of, you know, the you know, some of the researchers that are doing that day to day, some of the stuff that they bring in is it really challenges you. And I think that's important because perhaps if you're like minded, as a lot of the other teachers are, and you're going to these sessions that are based around what the teachers are doing within their own classroom, you might go in with mm-hmm. a slightly subconscious bias that perhaps you already do a little bit of that already. Now it's always nice to mm-hmm. to get at the you know that confirmation of oh I'm doing that, 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 that that's yes. great. But then again, sometimes perhaps mm-hmm. are you challenging to think about the other stuff as well? And I think that's where some of the the researchers can bring some really strong stuff to to the event. Yeah, and you were saying, so I know you lead on staff development. What What is the best way, do you think, to come away from a conference like Research Ed and put into practice all the many amazing things that you hear? Um, I think personally, so we, we've got a, a research lead team mm-hmm. at, at our right. school. And I think that that mm-hmm. sort of approach is is a really strong approach to thinking about what's out there and not rushing into to making changes within the classroom mm-hmm. without perhaps really thinking them through. Um, we've also got mm-hmm. a model which I think is really important for uh, curriculum teams. So, for example, all of our curriculum teams on a Monday meet for two hours um, and, and they spend time just talking about their, their, their curriculum and how they best teach that curriculum to the students that they put in front of them. And I think those those avenues are really strong because you get the chance to talk to other teachers that are teaching your subject and whether what perhaps you've heard at the weekend, does that apply? How might we make that most effective within DT or how might we make that most effective within history? They're going to be very, very, very different conversations. So I think the chance to then go away and have dialogue with people within your school is the critical thing and, and, and not take perhaps what you've heard as gospel but also think what else is mm-hmm. there out there that I that I haven't perhaps heard yet. And, and I think that the research ed events, perhaps, I think for a lot of people, 
they start the ball rolling with thinking about what else is out there. And actually, sometimes, yes, the presentations are just phenomenal when you go, but there might be more that you, you take away from the event in the long term by going back and talking it through with your with your teams at, with, within the schools. And, and that might completely change perhaps the the medium-term planning at the school. There might be something that you're thinking, actually, do you know what? I haven't thought of that. Let's look at it. You know, is it something that's going to work within mm-hmm. our context? And so I think the chance to talk about it or, you know, blog about it afterwards. I've seen a lot of people that have blogged since Research Ed, sorry, about, you know, the, the questions that were asked. There was a great blog that was done by um, Sam Chrome. There was another great blog that was done by Adam Robbins. And, and then again, Joe Kirby did a mm-hmm. fantastic blog as well. And I think they all ask great questions. So you can reread and reread notes, reread people's blogs, um, you know, listen to what, you know, people have said and, and think, you know, how, how do we go forward with this? Does it work for us? Uh, is it a priority? Where does it kind of fit in with our, you know, our, our, our plans for, for the short, medium and long term for the school? It's interesting because a couple of the, the things you say, I see parallels between how we teach the children. And I think sometimes we forget that the children are humans and we are also humans and we we, we think sim- in similar ways. And I think... Like you, you say to come away from CPD and not just implement straight away and it's good to, to talk about it and to think about it before you implement and mm. I know I had a guest on I think last week or maybe before talking about like the thinking time before doing a piece of writing yeah. and it's just interesting to see the parallels between how we teach the children and actually how you can get the most out of it an, an event mm. like research ed in thinking about it before you implement it yeah, I mean, the other thing that I would say on that, and I think that the point is so valid, is, you know, we look at what we do with instructional coaching, um, you know, working at a one-to-one level. What you find is that quite often with, with, with colleagues, there'll be, a, there'll be a gap between what they know about something and actually mm-hmm. whether, whether they're mm-hmm. able to do that something really effectively within the classroom. Um, which you kind of call yes. the knowing it, doing it gap. And, and I think the important thing is, is you, you might come away from a research ed conference really enthused. You might know more, but does that mean that you're actually mm-hmm. going to do what you know more about yes. more effectively the following week? Yes. Probably not. You know, there mm-hmm. needs to be a lot of mm-hmm. time to think about how and why. Um, and I think that's where dialogue's critical. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, it's so interesting. And I, I really... I just love I love the CPD of research ed and like you say being around like-minded educators because not every educator wants to come to CPD on a Saturday and I totally mm. understand that but it's just it's so lovely to, to listen to people that are doing it in their classrooms and to also have discussions with like you say the person sitting next to you who like I'm primary I could have been sitting next to a high school teacher and we can have a conversation about the, the CPD that we're listening to Mm. Um, and you don't you don't get that sometimes in your school bubbles. So I think that's what's so amazing about it is that you can come from any kind of setting and take something away and, like you say, something to think about. Yeah, uh, um, you know, the, so, yeah. I, I think for me the the sort of the top tip that I would have is whatever your mm-hmm. opinions of research ed from what you've heard on Twitter or what you've seen, whether you're really pro research ed or perhaps you know maybe you're not, I would say get yourself down to an event, you know, go, go, go to an mm-hmm. event. And, and then yeah. once you've been to an event, then talk about it, 
And I think that's that's really critical. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like anything, isn't it? I think sometimes we're we're too quick to to to, to make a judgment without yes. actually ever, um, you know, being involved yeah. in in one. Um, so yeah, no, that would that would kind yeah. of be my top tip, along with going to sessions for their title rather than who's actually doing the session. Um, I think that's really yeah. important as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Jack. It's, it's been amazing. And like I said, it was a really great event and yeah, it's great to hear research, research people that do the research, but also implement the research. So mm. it's just it's just an amazing mix of the teachers that teach it and the teachers that are researching it as well. So I think you've got such a perfect mixture there. So thanks very much for talking about it and for coming on the show. No problem. I thank you very much for obviously speaking at the event and, and inviting me to, to, to come right. on and, and, and talk, talk research Ed Surrey. And just really, if anyone else is out there that's thinking, do you know what, my sound, that sounds like a bit of me, then then get involved. Um, mm-hmm. you know, please yeah, do feel free to, to, to communicate with me on, on, on Twitter. Um, I think the ha- mm-hmm. you know my handle is out there on the on the Teacher Talk Radio tweets that that went out earlier today. So mm-hmm. please do have a conversation, and or you can go through the Research Ed Surrey Twitter that page as well. So um, you know, please feel free yeah. to, to reach out uh, if you want to come and speak at the event or come to the event next uh, next year. We'd love to have you. Yeah, definitely. If maybe before you go, if you could just put maybe some of the details in the chat, and then if people can uh, click on it just to go and have a look. That would Absolutely. be amazing. Yep, no problem at uh, all. If you're good. All right, awesome. Thanks so much, Jack. Cheers, Leanne. I better go back to bath time. Cheers. <laughs> all right. Bye. Okay, all right. Enjoy. Cheers. Bye. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that chat, guys. Um, and I hope maybe if Tim's still in the chat, I think he is, he can vouch for it as well. And it was really a great day. And it really is, like Tim said, and also like Jack said, amazing to be able to talk to people outside of your working bubble high school teachers talking to primary teachers and primary teachers talking to high school teachers. There is definitely something that I think we can learn from each other. And I really love the two ideas that Jack kind of mentioned in that, well, three ideas actually. So before we get Ben in, I I know you're there, Ben, I haven't forgotten about you. Um, To re-professionalise the profession. I think that's really important. And to have a a staff development lead in your school is just amazing. I kind of wish we had a bit more of that in primary because that leads on to his comment of you take so much from research ed and so many ideas and it really for me it's it's so exciting to come away with all these amazing ideas and then you don't want to like rush into implementing them so it's good like he said gets you talking but also gets you thinking and it's great to have time to think about all those amazing ideas and to talk to maybe your colleagues when you get back to your school about how best to implement them and not just to go in. And I know I've done this before, like just to go into your classroom and implement it just in your classroom. It's also amazing to see how can you implement it across the school and how can it be part of the school's ethos. So, yeah, it was really interesting talking to him. And I, like I said, a lot of the things that we do with the children, we should think about doing them as ourselves, as adults, um, and talk and think about things before we implement them. So was te- uh, Tim said, um, spent the break before the day, started chatting to a primary teacher, had lunch with a teacher working in a special school. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, guys, we're all teachers. And whether you're teaching high school, primary, early years, further education, I think we all go through similar things. And at the end of the day, we're all teaching humans, we're all teaching children. 
and we all function in similar ways and different ways so it's not just the chats that you're listening to like Tim is saying it's the people in the chats that you can talk to as well and it's nice to get new ideas but it's also nice to kind of validate the things that you do yourself so uh, definitely really important so yeah so um, you've heard my voice and Jack's voice for quite a long time so just before I let Ben into the studio let's see what the latest headlines are in education this is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins Burke This is Tom Hopkins Burke with your latest Teachers Talk Radio news. Millions of public sector workers, including teachers, are set to see their pay rise next year as a result of this week's budget. Paul Whiteman, General Secretary of the National Union of Head Teachers, has welcomed the reversal of last November's pay freeze, but he warned that the government needed to give schools the money to pay for extra salaries, else they will be faced with heartbreaking decisions. Kevin Courtney, Joint General Secretary of the NEU, said that Chancellor Rishi Sunak's announcement was big on promises but short on detail, adding that there is no mention of the £30,000 starting salaries that were also put on pause. Meanwhile, Small Business Minister Paul Scully MP refused nine times to say whether any pay rise would make public sector workers any better off financially. The British Psychological Society has called for isolation booths in schools to be banned. The BPS has argued that the use of isolation booths is not evidence-based and has not been proven to be effective. It has stated that isolation booths breach the UN Convention on the Rights of a Child and disproportionately affect the children and young people who need the most support. The BPS has called instead for a focus on building supportive environments to promote positive behaviour in children and young people. A new study is aiming to increase the number of young women and girls playing football. The study conducted by Loughborough University and the Football Association aims to explore how teaching methods influence girls' football experiences. The Football Association stated that it wants girls to have the same football experiences as boys in schools and clubs by 2024. Donna McIvor, Senior Development Manager at the FA, added that the ambition is to transform the PE learning experience for girls in primary schools and modernise the secondary school curriculum offer. That was your latest education news with Tom Hopkins-Burke. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. 
Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I was talking to myself again. Sorry, guys. Ben, can you hear me? I can. I can. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Now we've, it's been a long couple of weeks for us. I said at the beginning, we had half term a long time ago. So uh, thanks for coming on. So I thought just before we get chatting about kind of what you're going on to next, maybe just like a bit, bit, bit of a bio and like what kind of made you step out of teaching and into like another kind of world? Sure. Um, yeah, it has been, uh, first of all, yeah, it's been quite a while since we are half term. So, yeah, very intense last few weeks. Yeah. Um, yes. But we're getting through it. Half terms, our little break is not long away. Um, so, my yeah, name is. Yeah, we've got a mini one coming up. <laughs> yeah. My name's Go Ben. On, yeah. um, and yeah. I am 31 years old. I have been in education for about seven years now. Um, I started off as mm-hmm. TA, then I went to train to be a teacher, and I've been teaching for for about five years and uh, yeah I have got to a point now where, which I'm sure we'll go into of changing um taking a little sideways step um and I'm tra- mm-hmm. also tra- training to be a counsellor so that's my my goal I'm still teaching but doing that on the side and that's my yeah that's where I'm heading at the moment I love that sideways step and like, like I said at the beginning that I think as teachers we have so many transferable skills that you can use in other industries I just think there's not a lot out there that kind of guides you into those other industries like how did you kind of choose counselling as your your sidestep? I think counselling has always been something I wanted to get into it's always been there um, right. from going ther- through therapy myself um, it's, it's always mm-hmm. and also kind of my nature has always been one to help people so I think that's always mm-hmm. been there but I think with t- going into education I can see the need for it, um, especially with children and you know, adult, young adults. Uh, there is a need for, you know, counsellors, therapy. There's, there's definitely a need, for it. and certainly with everything that's happened with COVID as well, there's even more of a need for it. So I think being in the education system and seeing where I, you know, potentially if I wanted to go down that route of helping kids in education, where you know I could fit in, 
So I think that's my, you know, when I want to be a counsellor, I definitely want to stay with education. I don't want to disregard it. I still want to stay with education, just in a slightly different role. Yeah. Would you say there's a difference then? But like, I, I'm not sure so much, but like between counselling and therapy, like would there be a difference between those two, kind of taking it into a school setting? I think there is. I think therapy is more, in the, certainly, with the, I mean, there is a difference between counselling and therapy anyway, but I think we're in the school setting. Mm -hmm. I think you get more counsellors because it's more of a, a set amount of time that you're with someone. Um, therapy is more of a. I feel therapy can be more of a journey sometimes for people. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, and I mean, the counselling that I'm training in is um, it's called human centred counselling. Counselling. So it's okay. it's the, so, yeah. the, so the idea is that you know the client if and the counsellor together go through you know help what the can what the client would have maybe going through um mm -hmm. so yeah that's i mean and i certainly think there are some some children maybe even teachers that could use that service absolutely